1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what, what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So we're, so we're looking at our heart, what makes us really ourselves. And we're finishing with a story about Samuel anointing David. A very well-known story. Uh, and which leads us on the next sermon series about the King of Christmas. So we're looking at kings. And in the passage, I was particularly drawn to verse 7, uh, where the Lord says, the Lord says, people look at the outward appearance. He says, but I look at the heart. People look at the outward, but it's the heart. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, a bit about how we look at one another, uh, and also then about how the Lord looks at us. So first, you remember going back to Saul's anointing. A few weeks ago, Tim preached about this. And we're told how uh, Saul was a really impressive 
guy, wasn't he? He was a pretty cool dude. He was um, tall, taller than anyone else in Israel, apparently, if you believe that. And uh, he was good looking. He was pretty impressive. Just the kind of person that you would want to lead you into battle. And he was made king. And then we heard from Sean last Sunday uh, how, in fact, Saul then fell, didn't he, uh, from following God. He started to follow the desires of his own heart, and he didn't then do what God wanted him to do. And so we read the beginning of our, our passage. The Lord says to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his song, sons to be king. So off he goes, he takes his horn of oil or his little jam jar. He goes off to Bethlehem um, and um, he sees Jesse's sons, or as it turns out, not all of them. He sees most of them. And he holds a worship service, gets them all together, sacrifices a cow and they worship and then he sees the sons. Perhaps Samuel is remembering what it was like when he anointed Saul. And he's looking out for someone who's going to be equally impressive. So the first guy comes up, Eliab. And it sounds like he's impressive too, isn't it? And he, God says, that's not the one. You're looking at the outward appearance. And so the next one comes along and the next one. And they're all rejected. And then, of course, they say, oh, there's David out in the fields. David comes. He's the chosen one. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. When I was a GP, I learned early on to go out to the waiting room to fetch my patients. Um, this was courteous, I think. Also, it meant that every 10 minutes I could stand up and walk around, which was a good thing. Um, but also meant I could see what was going on. I could see who were they sitting with? What were they wearing? Were they chatting with someone or were they sitting quietly? Did they look really ill? Sometimes you'd see people who looked terrible out there. It was really frightening. Or did they look quite well? What were they like? What were they dressed with? How did they walk? So by the time we got into the consulting room, Already, I've made quite a lot of observations and I've made quite a lot of conclusions. And more often than not, they were right. And that's what we do, isn't it? We, all of us, we make judgments. We look at people and we judge by the outward appearance. But often we get that badly wrong, don't we? So a friend of ours um, uh, who trained with us at medical school, um, a, a guy from Wales, but his parents are from Jamaica. Um, when he qualified as a, G, uh, as a doctor, um, he bought a Golf GTI. So I'm talking about 1983, black Golf GTI. This is a pretty cool car, right? Um, so there's Ken driving around. He's a pretty cool looking guy. Even now, a bit older, he's still a pretty impressive guy. So there's Ken driving his car, going around London, and of course, he gets stopped by the police again and again and again. I was never stopped, ever. Ken was stopped all the time, 
because. Because people were looking at him and judging by his appearance and making assumptions and coming to wrong conclusions. Now to us now, hopefully that sounds outrageous, but we all do the same thing, don't we, if we're honest? We look at people, we look at how they're dressed, we listen to their accents, and we make judgments. So the first thing really, perhaps, to think about this morning is to ask God, how do you look at people? What are your prejudices? Where are the blind spots that you have? And what is that that God would like to change in your heart so that you see other people as he sees them? Because you see, Jesus, Jesus met all kinds of people, didn't he? And he met people who in his culture he should have shunned. As a good Jewish teacher, Jesus met Gentiles, tax collectors, women, lepers, ill people, and he met them all at the level of their heart. He saw right through the outward trappings, didn't he? He looked at their hearts. So that's the first thing, a bit about how we see other people. What's it like to be seen? So there are people, I'm sure, who feel unseen, who feel not noticed. And I guess that's a very uncomfortable thing. Um, I was involved in, in work with care homes, and there was a short film made by Virginia McKenna, and it's set to a poem, which you can look up on the internet. And the poem is called, What Do You See, Nurse? What do you see? And in the film, um, this is nothing against nurses, by the way. I, any nurses here, I love nurses. You're all amazing. And you saved my bacon many, many a time. So please, I'm, this is nothing against nurses. But in the film, the two nurses are over a bath, and they're bathing this elderly lady who can't speak. And they're chatting to each other, OK? So basically, they're ignoring the old lady, and they're having a conversation. And we hear the poem, what do you see? What do you see, nurse? And then we see flashbacks of her life, as her of a child, her getting married, having her children, and so on. So she's got a, a life behind her, and the point is to the story that the people with her didn't see her as herself. There's a, um, there's a South African expression, which I can't pronounce, but it translates as, I see you. And how powerful to be told, I see you. I see your humanity. I see your dignity. I see your respect. I see your heart. I see all that makes you, you. And I accept you. So that's the kind of, do you see what I mean? That's the feeling that we're getting here. God sees us. So if perhaps you feel God does not see you, I want you to really hear this. God sees you. God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows you as no person could ever know you. He knows you through and through. That theme runs throughout Scripture, doesn't it? In the Psalms, Psalm 139. Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You perceive my thoughts from afar. 
your eyes saw my unformed body. When God called Jeremiah, he said to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And then in Corinthians, Paul writes, whoever loves God is known by God. God knows us. Uh, uh, you know, we're in Advent. We've got our Advent candles. We're in the season of Advent. We're preparing to celebrate the coming of Christ into the world. You know, you hear this phrase, I hate it. Oh, well, God knows, people say, don't they? They don't know. They think no one understands something. They say, oh, well, God knows. What a horrible phrase. Turn it round. God knows. Isn't that amazing? God knows you. He knows the struggles. He was born. Jesus was one of us. He went through all that we go through. Jesus knows. What a fantastic affirmation. So God sees us. He sees our heart. I'm not sure how comfortable that might be. To be quite honest, there's things in my heart that I do not want you guys to know about. God sees. What happens if he sees things perhaps he doesn't like? What happens if he sees things that I don't want him to know about? Well, God chose, in our story, God chose David. God chose David shepherd from Bethlehem, chosen to be king. Wasn't the most impressive. Wasn't the obvious choice. There were at least seven others to choose from. But he was chosen king. He was chosen to save Israel. Now that sounds a bit familiar as we look forward to Christmas, doesn't it? Jesus, the good shepherd, born in Bethlehem, chosen to be king, to save his people, to save all of us. Not one of the obvious choices. Not born into a powerful family. Not a one of the religious elite. But chosen to be saviour. And in Advent, you know, we, we think about all the different people who prepared the way for Jesus. And the prophets spoke about Jesus coming. They spoke about Messiah. And the prophet Isaiah said... And, and we see this is about Jesus. Isaiah says, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others. So Jesus wasn't the obvious choice. But yet in his heart, Jesus' heart was completely for God, his Father. He did his Father's will. He only ever did his Father's will. And so he did give himself up for us. And as Isaiah goes on, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. 
So that's why, this is the great news of Christmas, isn't it? That's why God can look at my rubbishy, moldy bits of my heart and like what he sees. Because I come to Lord Jesus, I can be forgiven and washed clean and made whole. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, we read, don't we? The old is gone. Praise God. The new has come. So that's why. So this is not to downplay our, short fa our failings and shortcomings. We know full well our weaknesses, don't we? But in Christ, we are new creations. So if perhaps like me, you at times feel uncomfortable about God seeing your heart, seeing you as you really are, then be greatly encouraged because Jesus, the good shepherd, the king from Bethlehem, makes you clean in your heart, in God's sight. So to wrap up, three questions for you to think about. So first of all, how do you look at other people? Are there ways that God wants to change your heart so that you see others differently? Secondly, do you feel that no one sees you, that God does not see you? So hear this, God sees you. God would use that South African expression I see you. I see you, my daughter. I see you, my son. Draw close to him this morning. And lastly, perhaps you feel that God does see you and he doesn't like what he sees. When God sees your heart because of Jesus, in spite of all our shortcomings, all our failings, he delights in what he sees because in Christ we're made new. There's a new creation. And if you're not yet following Christ, this, this Advent, this Christmas time, what a great time to come to get to know him.